listening to Obstacle Races New Zealand. Join your hosts Max Bell and Stephen Steady as they explore the realms of obstacle sports, including OCR, mud running, adventure racing, hybrid racing, ninja and more in New Zealand and abroad. Today's episode, we've got an interview with our very first Ninja Warrior guest, which is exciting. So we interview Katie Sparrow, who is a Kiwi, uh, originally from here, but she's living over in Australia at the moment. And she's been on the Australian Ninja Warrior TV show two times, um, season ooh, uh, three, three and five, I believe. Three and five, I think it was, yes. Yeah, so we talked to her about that. And she's a personal trainer over in Sydney, Australia. Um, she also acts and sings and does stunts and beatboxes and competes in Ninja Warrior. So yeah, a lot of, personal, lot of personal tra- Did you say she was a personal trainer in Manly Beach? We interviewed yeah, her. So. She was standing on the, the, the beach. If you listen, you can see it can hear the uh, seagulls in the background. Mm, yes, we recorded. She was on her phone recording from the beach. So we've had to go. Oh, well, I've had to go editing the audio. It's a bit. Um, the volume levels were a little bit different between us recording at home inside on microphones and she was recording on her cell phone outside on the beach. Um, so I've done my best at leveling the audio levels between the voices, um, but apologies if it's a little bit tricky to listen to at some point. Well, before we go to the interview with Katie, I've got some news to talk about. The uh, launch of Adventure One Adventure Racing Worldwide. Yeah, so we've seen... Um, well, this news was announced, we took our break over Christmas, but this news was announced about then, in December last year, that Adventure One, which is an adventure racing series, which runs in, you were saying it was New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa at the moment? Yep. Yeah, they've got three countries with five races in each, by the looks, ah. on the website. Ah, so that's just been announced as the official Adventure Racing World Cup of World Obstacle. Uh, World Obstacle being the International Federation for Obstacle Sports um, that you and I are involved with. Um, so that's exciting. So they've so World Obstacle up till now has been doing a lot of work trying to grow OCR mostly, obstacle racing, but also they're connected to a, a ninja league. But the the president, you know, Ian Adamson, behind World Obstacle is he has an adventure racing background and his passion's really in adventure racing. So I think he's been working tirelessly behind the scenes to get adventure racing involved in this as well and they just made the big announcement that they have gotten adventure one on board as the official world cup series of the sport yeah which is awesome and uh, especially because new zealand is involved so adventure one has their new zealand series with five races in it but i'm, I'm not too familiar with adventure racing myself so do you know these races I, I know a couple of them. I know of a couple of them. Um, I've just clicked on the wrong page, so I've got to go back to events. But, yes, there's a couple of the the New Zealand races uh, people would be accepted. Kaikoura Adventure Race, the 24th to 26th of April. It's a 24-hour race. The Bivouac uh, at Wangamatar in the Bay of Plenty is a 12-hour race. The Maricopa Munta. There's a few people I know uh, wanted to go and do that this year. Just do this, not the 24-hour race, the shorter version, uh, but it con- coincided with the goat race. And then there's the the new one, uh, True West, which I only heard about through because it's uh, part of 
Nathan Favale. It's one of his races. And I was following him while he was doing the God's Own race, which he just won. And there was something on his page about that. But it is also... That is a Rangatiki adventure race. Rangatiki, yeah. And it's... the uh, True West is the World Cup final, which is going to be race five here in New Zealand. That's a 48-hour 40 race on the 1st to the 4th of December. Yeah, so that's cool. So for New Zealand, we have both the A1... New Zealand series, but then we also have the World Cup final, which is True West is the final race in the New Zealand series, and it's the final race in the global World Cup for adventure racing now. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, That's I don't know it. much about True West, but it sounds like they're launching with a lot of uh, titles behind them. Yeah, and international um, athletes. The race is going to be in South Westland. I'm not mm. sure where that is. It's like Fiordland, but 30 degrees. But on a 30-degree angle, according mm. to the website. So we need to get some adventure. Oh, yeah, we've got a ninja guest on this time. We need to get some ninja adventure. Guest, we're going to find, yes. Yeah, well, explain this well, stuff um, to us as well. <laughs> try and get hold of Andrew Robinson because he has just competed in the um, God's Own Race. So get him to give us his take on, on adventure racing. So reach out and see if he'll come on and have a chat with us. Mm. Yeah, because he's done a lot of obstacle races as well and a lot of a lot of running. I heard about his um, New Zealand title recently of him running the, the seven great walks in seven days. Um, but if he's getting into adventure racing now, he'd be fascinating to talk to about all this stuff. Yeah. What other new events have you heard of? I'm not going to bring up any events that have been cancelled because it's just no fun talking about them anymore. Um... I don't know if there has been any new events. Event postponements. And this one is a, a sport outside of the obstacle sports of World Obstacle. But parkour, the parkour World Cup, oh, okay. World Championship, sorry, is, they announced that got postponed again. <laughs> so it, it was, it hasn't even taken place ever yet. <laughs> the initial one was meant to take place in 2020 in Japan, I believe. Um, but then COVID happened and it got postponed and got postponed again. And it was it was meant to take place 2022 now, um, but they just announced it got postponed again. So I don't, they haven't given a new date yet, but I imagine they're trying to look to 2023 at this point. Yeah, at some point there'll be a parkour world championship. It will be exciting to see how that plays out. Um, but they're getting hit pretty hard with COVID. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. One that I will mention that, Muddy Good Run out of Christchurch. I see that got cancelled today. I just started following them after you brought them up a few weeks ago. I uh, Googled them and found their website, put it on, and then uh, outcome today was uh, postponement. No, really. Sorry to, un to announce that Muddy Good Run in Canterbury on the 27th of March has been cancelled. The Muddy Good Run plan planned for the 25th of September is still a go at this moment. Much more news that I know of. Any right, with so many things cancelled and so many things haven't still haven't come back yet. Yeah, there's not many New Zealand event, events taking place at this point. Hopefully, as we roll, so I've got some events on in March or end of March. No, actually, <laughs> that one got cancelled too. That was a trail <laughs> run I was going to enter in the end of end of this month. Um, I saw that one got cancelled, uh, but I've got I've got some events on some trail runs on April. And one in May, and then some, oh, of course, some obstacle races in May. But 
But yeah, there's events still looking to go ahead in April and May at this point. But we don't know how things are going to work with COVID and if we will be in the red um, alert level setting at that point. So fingers yes. crossed. Yeah, well, the country will allow events to happen soon. Well, we can only hope that it starts to get better. Hmm. And now that the, well, Auckland's starting to, numbers are starting to drop, but I see the rest of the country's COVID numbers are starting to climb. So it could be a little while. Hmm. Oh, that's some news to talk about, actually. I'm in, I'm in isolation at the moment. So I just recently caught COVID <laughs> last week. So we're ending up our isolation uh, in a few days and up in my household. Um, How long have you been isolating for? So, so I'm going back to work Thursday. So that will be my eighth day. Yeah, uh-huh. so tomorrow is my seventh day of isolation. But a bit longer than that because my kids got it before us. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably up to day, I don't know, lost count at this point, <laughs> day 12 or 13 or something. The whole household got sick and, yeah, we, yeah, me and my son probably got it the worst. We were sick for about a day and um, still recovering now a few days later, but had one day period where we were quite bad and I was struggling to walk <laughs> during that day just because my muscles were so sore. We're, we're all on the on the mend and getting better and, yeah. Yeah, I must admit I've been very lax. I have no idea what the rules are anymore. I still scan, I still wear my mask, but if I get COVID, I have no idea. I'll just have to rely on my wife and someone else to tell me when I can go out of, back to work. Because working from home, I don't go out all that often. And mm. at the moment, other than taking the dog for a walk, or I run every couple of days. Well, they keep changing it too, because the isolation period was 10 days and then it dropped. Like picking up the rat tests, their system, the system, like they had two, didn't they have two years to design a system and it's not working? <laughs> So, because uh, my, my son got it first, who's eight, and you can't, so if you're an adult, you can report your test online, but children, you can't, you have to ring up, but then their phone number, 0800 number went down, so I, so I was ringing up and it wasn't working, and yeah, I ended up ringing up a few days later and reporting him, but I think a lot of parents had the same problem, and I don't know why you can't just report kids online, um, Makes it difficult. And then picking up rat tests as well, though. So I, so my kid had symptoms and we were trying to pick up tests and all the, all the, I had to go to five different sites. So they were all running out. Yeah. It's not their problem, just massive demand. Um, we finally got some tests and then I'm a critical worker as well. So even after I was isolating, I tested negative, um, went back to work that day and I needed more tests. So I had a critical worker number and you enter it in the system and it, tells you to go to a site, you know, bring this message along and pick them up. Um, so I went along to a site and, and they were like, no, we're not giving them away to critical workers. <laughs> and I'm like, it says right here. And it's like, oh, I don't know. So they, they ended up giving me a few tests, but they didn't give me the 10 that you were meant to get as a critical worker. Um, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, no one, people no on one site knows. don't know what's happening and they're all getting overwhelmed. I mean, yeah, understandable. Oh, yeah. They're just getting hit hard and but yeah, <laughs> I think no one knows what the rules are. No one knows what the rules are. And I, I will give the government a little bit of leeway because I know it's been two years, but nobody, if you'd said this, even this time last year, that we'd still be in it in a year's time, most people would have laughed and said, no, we're not. it'll be all over by now. Um, so it's it's a bit hard to plan for something. You just don't know when it's going to end. Mm. And then, of course, the variants, right? So Omicron yeah. happened and that changed the way they... Yeah. Um, do everything. Do everything and there's yeah. a good chance they're going to get another one before the end of the year, different variant. They were talking about them and different stuff on the telly tonight. And I'm going, oh, good. Why? Yeah. 
Anyway, we better get back onto obstacle sports. So one other piece of news item that we haven't mentioned yet is, or in terms of bad news, is the war started with Russia and Ukraine in the middle of a pandemic. Had to go start a war as well. Um, But Russia launched the war during the Paralympics, from what I understand. So the Olympics, there's an Olympic truce, which happens uh, X days before the Olympics and X days after the Olympics, where countries are meant to cease hostilities or new hostilities. hostilities. Yep. Yeah, it goes back to ancient Greece, where they would stop fighting to compete and then go back to fighting. <laughs> um, but Russia broke this truce by attacking Ukraine. So I think because of that, sporting world has gone political. And the sporting world is banning Russian athletes. And the IOC, the Olympic and uh, International Olympic Committee, came out recommending sport uh, national international federations you know ban Russian and Belarusian athletes. So World Obstacle, the International Federation for Obstacle Sports, has done that. They've followed the IOC advice and they've announced that they're banning Russian and Belarusian athletes and officials from international competitions. Um, in terms of what that actually means in practical terms, I don't know what international competitions are actually on the calendar of World Obstacle at this point. Um, so I don't know if they are actually banned from anything. But the ban may don't know how long the ban will continue. If it continues a year, you know, multiple years plus, you know, as these OCR World Championships and the adventure racing and ninja start rolling out, yeah. It's a ban in place because of the the war and the political, how the West is responding to that. Yeah, I was just trying to look up and see if I could find the email that Ian sent us, but uh, I can't see it to see what it was actually wording. But, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I know that the obstacle sports is big in Europe, um, but whether it's how much of it impacts Russia, I have no idea. Well, shall we cut over and have a, have a listen to Katie, get the, the lowdown on... Ninja Warrior and Ninja Sports and boot, uh, beat, beatboxing and personal fitness training on the uh, beaches of Manly. Joining us on today's episode, we have Katie Sparrow. Um, so she was born in New Zealand and living in Australia at the moment. Um, and she's our first Ninja Warrior guest on the podcast. So it'll be fascinating to talk to her about that, learn about Ninja. And she appeared on Australian Ninja Warrior Seasons 3 and 5. And she also runs her own fitness business called Sparrow Fitness. And my understanding, she dabbles in acting, stunt work, uh, and beatboxing as well. So how are you doing? Yeah, going good, thanks. That's a pretty accurate recap, I think. But, um, yeah, going well, thank you. Yeah, so talk to us about, um, so you, you grew up in New Zealand? Yeah, so I grew up in New Zealand and moved to Australia about 10 years ago now. So I used to study performing arts in New Zealand and then was basically looking up some personal training courses and then found a really good one in Sydney. Me and my brother originally moved here with no real plan of how long we'd stay. And then, yeah, I guess basically I just ended up loving it. Started doing my own personal training business about six years ago and then stayed here in essence. So you're in Manly, I take it from your Instagram page, but it says on stuff you went to Tasmania first. Really? No, I didn't go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Katie Sparrow, that is. 
But no, yeah, I do. I live in Manly. So basically, I came straight to Manly when I moved here and have been living here since. And I think that's probably a good majority of the reason why I'm still here. Like, it's just such an awesome beach town. Quite similar to Mount Maunganui, actually, in New Zealand. And yeah, I've set up all the personal training here and it's such a good location to do it. That's kind of, I reckon, why I've stayed. Maybe it would have been a different story if I'd moved to, like, the city in Sydney or something. Yeah. No, Manly is a beautiful part of the countryside. Yeah, so nice. But no, not Tasmania. That wasn't me, sadly. Tasmania uh, does sound cool, though. <laughs> yeah, so do you want right. to tell us about your, your training, your personal training? How's that going? Yeah, it's going really good. So I used to work at a gym when I first got my qualifications for about two and a half years and then decided to go out on my own. So I mostly worked out of a gym called Plus Fitness, so I just pay rent and kind of run my own thing. And then slowly I started introducing a bit of outdoor stuff on the side. So I was doing probably like maybe 70% gym, 30% outdoors. And then COVID hit, and then it all went outdoors. And then COVID hit again over here. So basically by the time we did two lockdowns, it's kind of switched. I reckon I'm like 90% outdoors now permanently, and then probably 10% gym. So it's great, like... The whole attitude's changed. A lot of people, I reckon, have become a lot more caring of their mental health and fitness and stuff. So my client base has probably, like, gone up a lot. And, yeah, it's all pretty much outdoors. So for me, that's amazing. Like, it's so nice being outside all day. Yeah, it's great. I'd say COVID has actually done me really well, and personal training in Manly is going good as well. Is it pretty common to do outdoor personal training? Um, I'd say over here it's fairly common. Like, there's a lot of boot camps going on. And I think because the climate is often hot, hardly ever rains. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty common, probably in comparison to somewhere like the UK, I'd assume. And I think COVID will make it a lot more. I know I do a boot camp, uh, go to boot camp, and we're outside. But there's so many more around Vic Park in central Auckland now that were not there two years ago. And some yeah, of them have got so a lot of gear that they bring out of a trailer or something. So they've come from a gym. Mm. And moved out because gyms still can't really open at the moment here in Auckland. So, oh yeah, true. That's right. You guys are still on a lockdown. Yeah, I'd say it's become more of a thing too. Like people have actually decided they enjoy the outdoors, and they. I mean, some prefer the gym. So still have the different opinions, but yeah, it's more common now. I reckon. I see a lot more people now training outdoors. And what got you into Ninja Warrior? Where did that start? Um. Well, I think Ninja Warrior was just something I was always aware of. And then I sort of found out that they were doing it in Australia. That was like three years ago when I did the first one I did. That was season three, I think. So, yeah, I think I, I was just aware of it. And then I had a few friends tagging me in it when they found out it was coming here. And so I applied for the third season. I guess I've always just been quite physical. And for me, that just seems like such a fun challenge, something that like I might be all right at because I have a fairly good upper body strength. So that was kind of why I initially was like, oh, I want to try that out. I want to do it. It looks really fun. And then, yeah, as you know, I did season three. Didn't do that great. Kind of had a bit of a unlucky mishap. And then did a lot better in the next one, which was, what, season five. But, yeah, just for fun, really. And just sort of test my physical ability, see if you actually can achieve it. Did you need to do any – because you did climbing beforehand, is that right? Just looking online. Did you need to do any specific training for Ninja? Or it was? Um, I did. So I've always – being okay with a lot of the body weight stuff and like pull-ups and all that. So I increased that type of training because you need that for ninja. And rock climbing is a sport I used to do. So I sort of had that ability because I feel like rock climbers and gymnasts are often the best with Ninja Warrior. And for season three, I started going to a ninja gym because there was one about 20 minutes away from where I live, like Manly. 
in Narrabeen. So that was great leading up to it. That way you could just test a few of the obstacles and actually learn how to do them properly. And um, even slack lining, I started doing a bit of that, which really helped with balance because on Ninja Warrior, the second obstacle is always a balancing one. Then season six, there was I didn't really get, get so much to go to a Ninja Gym for that one because I think that was for a lockdown. But that was obviously shut all of last year. So I didn't really go to a Ninja Gym. But I suppose because I do train all the time anyway, I've, I can naturally do okay at it. But yeah, I think to do really well, to get to like a grand final, it helps so much if you go to an actual Ninja Warrior gym and you find out how to do all the obstacles. Because it starts to become technique by the end of it. It's only so far you can get being like physically fit and strong. And then you've actually got to figure out how to do all the little obstacles, where to put your hands, body blast skills, techniques, whatever. Yeah, over here in New Zealand, we don't... I so, I so love Ninja gyms to come here. Because uh, it's, it's massive in Australia, right? The TV show and there's gyms and competitions. Uh, yeah. But it's not... I mean, we get the TV show here, the American one and, and the Australian one, um, mm. and there's people who watch it, there's fans, but it hasn't taken off here the same way. You know, there's no gyms yet. Um, I don't know why. I mean, hopefully talking to people like yourself gets more interest in New Zealand and get some people, yeah, starting gyms and competitions. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of jealous <laughs> seeing what Australia is doing. Yeah, totally. That'd be cool. Maybe if you guys got the actual Ninja Warrior show there, then that would be more of an appeal to start getting Ninja Gym. Yes. I mean. Yeah, that would be the idea, right? If you guys got to run Ninja Warrior there. Yes. Yeah. But I that'd think that's cool. the same as a lot of the obstacle stuff. It's just the population isn't – we don't have the population really to have a whole series. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. It's, yeah, mm. I suppose it would be pretty expensive to run, so you want to – yeah. So, can you give us some background of what happens to in competing on on the um, Ninja Warrior? Like, what what was a day at filming or competing like? What what did you do? How long did it last? Um. Well, basically, when you do the the heats, that's the first one. You go there for like a whole day. Um, and they're kind of filming you all day, doing like warm-ups and things and like interviews. And obviously they, they don't necessarily air you. You find out later on if you're actually going to be aired and I'll just use sections of different things. So yeah, you're pretty much there the whole day. And it's not until the evening that you actually do the course. So you get showed the course once later in the day. You actually see it once, so you know kind of what to expect. Um, but then obviously you only get one shot at it. And then later on they'll start calling you out so you actually have no idea if you're going to be like first or last it could be any time you just get called in groups maybe like five at a time and that kind of gives you like a half an hour warning you get ready then you go out then you do like more interviews photos and stuff hero shots and then before you go on you probably get to see like the first or second person before you doing their one so you do get to see like one or two people do it which can be good or bad it can kind of freak you out I think the season three when I did that one I saw I think the first three people before me go on and that kind of freaked me out because they all fell off before um second obstacle and I was like crap and so that's kind of why I freaked out and jumped onto that log and then just didn't jump off but yeah so that's kind of a good thing or it's kind of not a good thing and that's pretty much it so you do the course and then you either complete it or you don't and they do a quick interview with you straight after and then yeah you wait for the whole night until everyone else is finished and then you get to go home Okay. So it's kind of just a, a full day thing. 
Uh, yeah, and of course you get to invite people as well. So you have like a certain amount of people in your crowd yeah. and they get in the audience and then some of them get to run alongside you as well. So that's, you do one heat and then if you get through to the next one, you come back a week or something later or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you get into the semis, then it's about, yeah, about exactly one week later you return. So then they'll put um, you into a new course, so the semis. And the semis is similar but harder. So it goes up each time. So heats are the easiest stage in semis, final, grand final. So each obstacle is similar layout, but the first one's always like a balance thing. The second one's always a swing thing. Third is like grip. Four is another grip thing. Five, the wall. But yeah, it's just harder. Harder version of everything. Okay. So this one would have been a lot easier too, because this one was in Sydney, wasn't it, the last one? Yeah. And the first one the first one you did was in Brisbane, so you would have had to travel um, Yeah, Mel so this one was in Melbourne that I went to. So that one Oh Melbourne. Was, yeah, I had to travel to that one. So yeah, this is way more convenient. And it's actually quite funny. On this one, they actually called me that day and asked if I could do it that night for my heat. So I reckon it was kind of good in a way because I had I wasn't nervous because I had no notice. I was like, oh, okay. Because I was sort of on a standby list. So they don't always want you to return. But sometimes they do if they've got some sort of story to reuse or whatever. Anyway, they randomly called me that night. And I'm like, oh, can you come tonight? And I was like, oh, okay, I can come after work. So I just rocked up. And luckily, I had I got to miss out on the whole day of kind of waiting around, which is the part you kind of just get sick of and tired and nervous. So I rocked up at like 7 p.m., ran my race a few hours later, and it did quite well with it, got through the semis, and I was like, sweet, great. And then, um, yeah, they chose to air all that, which was quite cool as well. But different to my first year, very different. The first time I did it, I was through the whole process and flew to Melbourne and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, way more convenient having it in Sydney. It was good. So once you, so you need to apply... The first time, right? You submit an application. Yeah. Um, so, but after you apply the first time, do you need to reapply to be on it another season? Yeah. Or they call you up. Um, yeah, you do actually. So you do the same thing pretty much every year. So you do like a new video, that, and then they, they say on the thing, "Have you been on Injury before?" And you say yes, no, and they, they want to like to know what's changed over the last year, like what's different this time, blah blah mm. blah. And a lot of like the ninjas they have returnees, like you might know, like Olivia Vivian and kind of the really good ones. So they purposely repeat them. And then, yeah, I'd say a lot of people do reapply. I'd say most don't get back on just because obviously they need to leave room for new people. But, yeah, sometimes they do let you back on for whatever reason if they can bring something different. And I suppose in my case, maybe because I did better this time, maybe that was my kind of backstory. Okay, you've come back and done better. I don't know. Yeah, it was cool, though. I was glad to come back on it. So are you applying again for the next season? I am. I just put my application in like a week ago. Nice. And I actually just got through to the um, tryout. So first you do the application in the video, and then the next stage is the physical tryout. That's in like another two or three weeks. You go there and do a whole bunch of physical tests, like push-ups, pull-ups, gripping stuff, endurance, and you do it against like five other people. And then the next stage after that is, well, they, they kind of call you up, get more info, a few more videos, and then you either get in or you don't. But they kind of cut it in half. Like It's quite tough to get in. So I will reapply, but yeah, who knows if I'll get in, hopefully. Hmm. I was just wondering about the um, I mean, the TV show screening in Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand's usually delayed in our TV. Um, but is there any sort of like complications to do with the airing? Because I know there's a number of years ago there was a TV show called um, Australian Spartan, which was sort of like Ninja Warrior, but some Kiwis flew over and won it. Um, but it, well, they won season oh. two. 
they didn't screen in New Zealand until like two years later. But they, they were under a non-disclosure agreement to not talk about it. <laughs> so they couldn't oh, talk, wow. talk about this thing for like two years. Funny. Um, until it until it aired in New Zealand. Yeah, but is there any sort of issues like that with Ninja Warrior where are you allowed to talk about it? Do you need to wait um, till it airs in Australia or, or New Zealand? Or was it just yeah. open? <laughs> do whatever. So, yeah, they, um, I guess it's similar. Yeah, you're not meant, to, I mean, obviously I can tell like my close family and friends that I've done it. But yeah, you're not meant to say how far you've got. Because, um, yeah, obviously I'll give things away. I think, uh, did I sign something? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did sign something. Yes, you can't really say how far you've got. And also, you get, like, a bunch of pictures. You can't, like, pre-post them or anything, because that'll also ruin it. So it's probably the same. Uh, and once it aired in Australia, I'm pretty sure I was allowed to say whatever I wanted, even to people in New Zealand. Yeah, because it's an Australian show, so New Zealand obviously doesn't have any ownership on it. Yep. So, yeah, I answered your question. Yeah, you do sign, like, a contract. But for someone like me that didn't obviously make it to the grand final, I suppose I wasn't that bothered about what I said because, yeah, I wasn't giving too much away. So how yeah, long... You're, you're also... Sorry, Karen. You're also not meant to say what anyone else gets. So, like, if I know who actually wins it or who gets through to the grand final finals, yeah, I, I'm not allowed to say any of that either. So how long between when you filmed it and when it got aired in Australia was it? Um, so we filmed it in March this year, <coughs> and then it aired in June or July, June. Yeah. That was only three months, whereas season three, there was, like, a good five, six months difference. But they've kind of changed it now that, that you um, audition now, end of the year. Then it uh, then you actually do it start of the following year. Then it is middle of the year. So yeah, about three months difference. Okay. Yeah, so six months here in NZ. Yeah. So I see from your Instagram that you're interested in or getting into acting in that as well. Yeah. Well, I used to. That was actually the initial passion was acting, performing arts, whatever. So I actually studied that in New Zealand for a couple of years before I moved here. And then um, the first year we studied at an institute called Excel, which is actually based in Auckland. And the second year we toured around New Zealand doing shows and then Germany and Poland. Then I moved here and started doing personal training. And then on the side I'd do like acting gigs. So I'd, I'd had an agent, so I'd do little like things like commercials, ads, whatever. And then I also do a bit of casual work on home and away. Behind the camera now though, so as a grip, just kind of like a camera assistant. But yeah, I suppose with the acting, I don't know, I've kind of taken a step back from that because I, I suppose the focus is on my personal training business now. But I do make little sort of advertising movies for my business. And in that, I often act. It's kind of an excuse or just like another way to shove my acting in is to make little videos and have like a theme behind it to do with fitness. So that's kind of the, the most extent of the acting I'm doing at the moment, really, and the odd commercial here and there. Yes, because I've watched Dawn, what is it, uh, Dawn of the Shred, something of the Shred? Oh. Yeah. Sparrow Fitness, oh, okay. Dawn of the Shred. Yeah, that was advertising um, the yearly shred challenges that I run, which is like an eight-week challenge, sort of like a weight loss challenge. That was just a little video advertising that. Uh. I think that was last year's one. You should watch this year's one. It's all about COVID. So is it? Kind of funny. So that's on your, on your Facebook page as well? Yeah, and Instagram. It'll be there somewhere called. Okay. So yeah, still enjoy the acting. Still a lot of passion. Try and mix that in with the personal training. Yes, yeah, so reading your bio on the, the Ninja website, it mentions you're doing stunt training as well. Is that something you have done or something you're pursuing now? Yeah, so I used to do a bit of stunt training. That was maybe like two years ago now. It was something I was also quite interested in. 
Um, I only did it for about a year just because it started to really collide with the PT because, as you'd imagine, personal training, you kind of work mostly mornings and evenings. So it's a bit of a shame in that way that I can't do too many sports and things because naturally that's every night. So yeah, I started doing the stunt training and that was fun. And I, so often with those people that I met doing that, they, um, we made a few movies using like stunt fighting and stuff. Which, so I still use some of those skills, but I, I never really took it any further than that. Just because I suppose it was like either I work more or I start cutting my hours to do this. So I, I chose to keep working. But yeah, it was fun though. I learned a few things and I reckon it's still something I'd like to do. And the other one is your into beatboxing. Yes. That was something that I used to be quite involved in too. More so in New Zealand when I lived there. So when I did the performing arts, that was sort of part of the tour. So we did like acting, singing, dancing. Then I used to do beatboxing as well. And then I used to do a few like competitions and things growing up. And New Zealand's got talent actually. And then when I moved over here, I did Australia's Got Talent. But um, yeah, last few years, not so much. I mean, it's probably a skill I'll always have. I haven't really lost it, but I suppose I don't do it as regularly now. But it was kind of just something I picked up when I was in school because my brothers and his friends used to do it. So then I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I started doing it, and then I tried to be better than all of them, which it ended up being. And then, yeah, so I just took kind of as a hobby. I used to do, like, little shows and things, little comps. It was a bit of fun. did a party trick as well. And then um, on Ninja Warrior, they got me to do that kind of as a little bit of a backstory as well because they thought that was quite interesting. So but sadly, is- I didn't get so far in Australia's Got Talent. I got to the part where you go to the judges, which is actually like three stages. And then um, Kelly Osborne, she said that she was allergic to weird noises coming out of people's mouth. So she basically booted me off the stage. And I was like, oh, all right, well, that's that. So did you have a name on Ninja Warrior? I just noticed that because I like Dolphin Ninja and a Trady Ninja. and Not really. They do say, like, what would your ninja's name be? And, like, some of the ninjas, they kind of give a name. Oh, okay. And then some they don't. I think the first year, like, they said, oh, yeah, you could be maybe the beatboxing ninja. But then the second year, they more just called me, like, Sparrow. But I think when they advertised me, probably just Katie. Yeah. I suppose some ninjas have, like, a sick name, and then I don't think I really have one. Because they sort of deferred away from the beatboxing story in my second one. They more made it about, like, the fitness story and personal training and empowering women and stuff, which is quite cool. Yep. I saw you on... Season five, um, but yeah, you do talk about empowering women in your little backstory clip, um, inspiring women for Ninja. Um, but what, watching the Ninja TV show, it seems quite biased towards males, I think, in that, you know, the males yeah. get to the finals and win it. Um, just because the females and the males are competing on the same course. Uh, yeah. Isn't that something that's good, in your opinion, or something that's a bit uneven playing fields with the same course for both yeah. genders? It's kind of contradictory and then it's not. like it's, They're trying to do it like that, I guess, to make it even and make it so it's not always like boys against boys, girls against girls. It's kind of cool in a way that they're like everyone together because they might, you know, it's kind of a bit more of a belief in females that we're actually the same physical ability as males. So I like it in that way. But then I suppose also like a little bit unfair because it's kind of like, well, the results in a way do speak for themselves. Like it's always 10 or 20 guys in the final. Not to say girls can't be in the final like you'll get the odd one or two in there every now and then but i suppose yeah physically speaking males are generally better at a lot of that stuff but it's not to say that girls can't be it's a hard one i'm not sure what to think about it i quite like it but then i do feel like if it was split well i mean if it was split i'd be the top 10 girl in australia so that'd be pretty cool but yeah there was no chance to get in the final with that group of guys like wow they're amazing 
just on that, I yeah, how many women and how many men would have there been roughly? I really didn't think of that before. Way more guys apply for it. Um, yep. I don't know the exact numbers, but to give you an idea, there were 10 girls that got to the semifinals. Yeah. And there were like, how many guys? Uh, a lot, like 100. Oh, okay. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's quite, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think it's cool, and then I also think it's a bit annoying because then, I don't know, some countries like America, I think, I think they, they change the obstacles slightly for females just because, like, generally females are slightly shorter. So they try and make it a bit more even. Yeah, I don't know. But then Ninja don't like, um, I find the Australian Ninja, because they often bring it up, they think it's really cool that we have it, guys and girls mixed, and they just think that more girls need to apply and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. So how do you get more girls involved in it? Because that's one of the things that we are trying to, with this podcast, is inspire grassroots and young girls to get into obstacle sport racing and um, yeah. ninja and, and such like. Well, I think looking at a few of the ninja girls as an example is a good one because, like, you see how physically able they are. So it isn't just guys that are good at it. And, yeah, so I suppose it's a bit of self-belief. People just need to believe in themselves a bit more. And if a girl is keen to do it, like, give it a crack. You don't have to lose. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose, like, Olivia Vivian's a great example. She's amazing at it. She gets into the final, like, almost every year. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe girls need to think, oh, actually, I can do that. It's not just guys that are good at it. And it's kind of even cooler as a girl doing it because you've, for a start, you've got more chance of getting on. They want to get more girls in. I mean, it's way harder for guys to get on. And then, like, if you do well, you know, you're, you're standing out way more than the guys because... So many guys do well, and only a few girls do well. Yeah. Yeah, because you were from Mount Monganui, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, from the okay. original. Yeah, there's a, it's a, an obstacle course race there, which has just started up in New Zealand. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, looks like you cut out a second. Sorry, the video's gone down. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. But they, it's going to be it's a New Zealand obstacle course race series held on the beach. One thing they were quite strict on well, pushing for was uh, there's sandbag carry obstacles, but they were oh, wanting yeah. sandbag weights to be the same for guys and girls, uh, whereas most races, and I think all the other races in New Zealand with sandbag carries, they have the split weights, you know, where mm. the, the guys' one's usually heavier. Um, so it's pretty cool to see. Uh, this Ultimate Athlete's the name of the race. But it's cool yeah. to see them pushing that as well with... Uh, they're like, no, we're going to have the same course, we're going to have the same challenges for men and women. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool in that way, eh? So, I don't know. Part of me quite likes it. Then, yeah, I don't know. But then people still kick up fusses about it. A lot of the girls sometimes do with the ninja. So, I'm not sure. That's cool, though. That sounds like fun. Well, I'm hopefully going back to New Zealand for Christmas. First time in two years. So, I'll be in Mount Maunganui soon. Have you got MIQ booked, or are you hoping yeah. not to have to do it? Well, no, I actually got into... So they did like a room release about a week ago. So I, um, yeah, I got into one. I booked it not knowing if I actually was going to do it. But then I thought about it and I thought, you know, seven days is, what, half of 14 for a start. And I can probably make use of that. Get a lot of admin done, relax time. And then I have about three weeks out with the family and friends. So, yeah, doing the isolation. Mm. Mm. Should be all right. What you make of it, I guess. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to, to bring up? Anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't asked you? Um, trying to think. Maybe not. That's pretty quite covered quite a lot of warrior. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it would just be cool if New Zealand come on one. But I suppose like any TV show, you just need like a, a big population to be able to afford to run it. But 
Hopefully one day. It'd be cool. I reckon there'd be some pretty talented Kiwis at it. Kiwis are pretty good at their sports. Yeah, I, I was hoping that they might, uh, like they do with that Spartan one that they held in the Gold Coast, that they would have a couple of Kiwi entrants in it. But uh, by the sounds of it, they're flooded with Australians. So Yeah, because the Spartan show, they entries were open to Australian and New Zealand. And New Zealanders, yeah. I think they paid the flight tickets of Kiwis to fly over. Um, but it's oh, yeah. It's only Australian citizens only. Um, so I think Kiwis can't actually apply for it. But that would be awesome if they could open it up. Um, and maybe just say they got Kiwis have to make their own way over there. It doesn't yes. cost them a lot more money. Um, but yeah, hopefully, yeah. It's talented people here who want to apply and then you know pay their own costs and so that would that would increase popularity. I think. Was it well, any... I mean, they might be able to because I'm not actually an Australian citizen, but I live here though, so maybe. Oh. Yeah, maybe that's why I can do it. Maybe, maybe they'd be like, oh, you don't even live here. But then maybe they wouldn't. Because I was going to say, is there any other Kiwi men in it? Did you know? Because I know India, uh, India Henry, Henry, she did it a while ago. She's a Kiwi as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, not sure, actually. Any, there probably was or maybe not. I don't know. So I suppose you just meet the people that are in your heat. So I met all the ones that were in my heat and in my semi. And then obviously you meet a few of them at the Ninja Gym if you go there a few times. And then my previous season, I met a few of them. So there's a few familiar faces. But yeah, you don't meet every single person, so I'm not actually sure. Okay. All right. Um, we don't have much else. Uh, we will ask you one question that we ask everybody else, and it's nothing to do with OCR. But um, if you could have coffee with any person, dead or alive, anywhere in the world, who would you have coffee with and why? Oh, maybe, maybe Mother Teresa. I think she'd have some pretty cool stories. She might be able to teach a few valuable lessons as well. Hmm. Yeah, we haven't heard her before. That's good. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Thanks, Katie. Thanks very much for that. You're welcome. Thanks for talking to you.